every part of me being single was something that I needed in my growth to help me prepare for this beautiful relationship that I am so lucky and grateful to have now. Every single step of that I needed and was worth it and was leading me here. From To Be Magnetic, this is The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Expanded. Jessica here. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. We have none other than To Be Magnetic manifestation coach Amanda Blair on talking about so much growth that she has just blossomed into in this past year. That's such a testament of the work that she's done on herself through this To Be Magnetic work. And not only has she cultivated a deeper sense of self-love, the closing of one chapter from leaving her journey in New York and starting a new journey across the country in Portland and following pings to figure out where she wanted to dig in and create new roots going forward for the future. But she also manifested an incredible travel experience across Europe all summer long, traveling by herself in the most magical, dreamy way. It's so cool looking at her videos that she had this summer. But the cherry on top of all of this was that she manifested her dream partner. And on the episode today, we have her partner, Zach, that she manifested. And I intentionally am mentioning that she manifested her partner at the end because while this episode is diving into the manifestation of your dream partner, So much of that work roots with that internal work we do with ourselves. I said this on, I think a podcast I was interviewed on recently, that oftentimes when you look at people, when they have manifested their partner, they are in the middle of living their best life. They are enjoying life to its fullest. They are fully themselves, authentic, tapped in, and I don't want to say they're not thinking about partnership, but there's no need for that partnership. This episode's coming at such a perfect time because we got a lot of questions in the live Q&A for the monthly check-in we did on Tuesday with Lacey and I about partnership. I've gotten a bunch of DMs recently about, oh, I'm just, I don't know if I'll ever find my partner. This episode is for you. It will give you 
the energetic feeling of what you're shooting to feel like and hint that feeling has nothing to do with another person. It's all about your internal feeling with yourself and your relationship to yourself. So I'm so excited to dive in with Amanda and Zach. They're just such an incredible example at an amazing conscious couple. You guys are going to be so expanded by this episode. And the other thing that I really have them dive into as well is how once you were in relationship, navigating the things that come up and they're a great expander, even for me, of consciously navigating communication once within a partnership. So whether you're manifesting a move, self-love, travel by yourself, or just travel in general, partnership, a conscious partnership, good communication in partnership, this episode has it all. And one other thing to note, if you missed our monthly check-in call and you're a Pathway member and want to check it out, you can just go into the monthly check-in portal, live calls in there. We answer questions about the practice and how to get you guys started on this monthly check-in so you can be regular with your manifestation practice for the month ahead. Stay tuned. We are going to kick off in a few weeks. I can't believe it's almost mid-November already. And in a few weeks in December, we're going to kick off our big manifestation challenge to really walk you through the manifestation process and get you so hyped and manifesting by the new year. It'll be the most effective and actionable challenge we have had yet. And If you are interested in working with a TBM coach like Amanda Blair or any of our other amazing TBM coaches like Heather and Salwa, you can book a session right now with $100 off with code HOLIDAY100. You can find the link in the show notes to book there as well. And now a word from our partners. Lacey here, quickly interrupting the episode to talk about Bond Charge, formerly Blue Blocks. So I want to start today by saying that I really do actually think that I manifested this particular product, which is the Bond Charge Infrared Sauna Blanket. A few months ago, Bond Charge released this, and it was literally a manifestation and answer to my prayer for a couple of reasons. One, you can go in completely naked. Two, it has the lowest EMF on the market, which is a big, big, big thing for me. Three, their lights are lab-grade IR light power, which means that they have one of the highest therapeutic infrared lining in their sauna blanket. So I got it, tried it once have used it every single day since. It takes literally under two minutes to warm up to the temperature that I want to use, whereas every infrared sauna I've had, of course, they're large devices. They take anywhere, depending on what the outside weather is, from 30 minutes to an hour to warm up. Needless to say, I have completely canceled the order to the infrared sauna that I was purchasing and waiting for in January. There's no point because once I've done the sauna blanket, I can't go back to that. I can't go back to waiting for it to warm up. And one of my pet peeves, even though this this one was going to be larger that I ordered, is that I can't just lie down totally comfortably. So in the Bond Charge infrared sauna blanket, I lay it right down on my mattress. I plop my pillow sort of inside of it, lying in my bed, so comfortable, looking out my window, just seeing oak trees in the mountains and letting my nervous system completely calm down, which happens instantly in this. You can feel it. My whole nervous system grounds. That's a huge benefit of infrared saunas. And I think it's much quicker in a sauna blanket. 
It's the ultimate, ultimate hack. And I was going to pay $8,000 for a sauna. This is $9.99. I'm just like, oh my gosh, thank you, universe. I manifested my perfect, perfect biohacking device. It packs up in its tiny little bag and I can take it from Topanga up to the forest house with me. It takes up such little space. It's just genius. So if somebody's looking for all of that inside of a package, it's definitely the Bond Charge infrared sauna blanket. If you are new to Bond Charge, use the code all caps magnetic, M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C to receive 15% off your purchase. Again, that's all caps M-A-G-N-E-T-I-C to receive 15% off any purchase. I'm actually really pumped to talk about this at this very moment because I'm coming off of a very long weekend where Max was sick all weekend. And then after that, our other support in our household went down from the cold that he had. However, Teddy and I never got sick. And when somebody gets sick in our house, what I do is I get out one of our big ceramic bowls and I put everything in it that they need to use, like all the little, you know, wellness goodies. And I was looking at the bowl that I put together and it was primarily beekeepers natural. (laughs) And I'm just so astounded by how they keep putting out incredible products. So What I used the entire time while Max was sick was the throat spray every single day. And I'm actually really jazzed because Teddy can start it too, um, which he's very close to. And for extra support in my nasal passages, because it does have the propolis, though it also has antihistamine protection, but I was primarily doing it for the propolis so that it was my nose and my throat were completely covered. So I used their nasal spray. I used the throat spray. And then in Max's bowl... I had the throat spray and I had the soothing lozenges because like how incredible that these are made with propolis, but they also have added vitamin D and zinc and honey. It just feels like an herbalist waiting for you to support you in a bag. And then Max's big move when he's sick is to use the steam shower. So he uses that, but my big move is to really sweat deeply in a hot, hot bath. It's really cute because... Teddy will help me pick some like mugwort and sages off of our land and throw it in the bath with me. Uh, And so that's how I was beating it as well was sweating out. And there have been multiple times because, you know, this company is so generous and has sent us product to try, of course, before we talk about it. And beyond that, I, I don't like to wait for anything. So many times I'm out buying the superfood honey myself. Certainly once a week to two weeks, I'm out buying the propolis. And I right now, if I were to open up our medicine cabinet, you would see about five of the throat sprays lined up because I like to have one every single place. And certainly when we're traveling, because I use it every single day. So it's a company I never get bored of talking about. I really believe in them. I love them. I use them. So if you would like to try Beekeepers Natural, go ahead and use the code all caps TBM for 25% off. Again, that's all caps TBM for 25% off. Good luck during this fall and winter season. All right, on to the episode. Today we have a really, really exciting one. It's one that honestly, I've selfishly have wanted to hear the details of this story because from afar, I've seen it coming for so long, but we have on TBM coach Amanda Blair and the partner, her dream partner that she manifested over the summer. Zach, welcome. 
Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Hello. <laughs> Yay. And it's so fun too, because you were telling me a little bit at the event, but that Zach has gone in and done a ton of his own work, very self-reflective person, caring, thoughtful, et cetera. So excited to hear a male perspective on this work as well. Yeah, I think that it will be expansive for other women because I know I've had clients that are like, I need a guy who is doing his own work. I mean, obviously, Zach wasn't doing TBM because he hadn't met me yet and I hadn't introduced him to it. But he is someone who was who has a growth mindset, who is very interested in evolving his mental health and his spiritual health. So that was something that was so important to me. And I was so grateful that I found a partner with that. So exciting. So Amanda, you've had a lot of manifestations happen. I feel like in such a short amount of time, even looking at where you were at, maybe even it, what was it, June, when you were like, I think I'm going to move to Portland. Like, I really feel like that's the spot. I think I'm going to leave New York, but I'm really scared to jump off this cliff. But in my bones, I feel like I'm not going to find my person in New York. That just doesn't feel aligned. So walk us back a little bit and kind of paint the picture of where were you at earlier this year in regards to relationship, living situation, and your own independence? Because you also manifested an incredible summer long travel excursion by yourself all across Europe. So how did you get from where you were at then to now? Yeah, I think sort of in 2019, I started to really question my decision to keep New York as home. And I was sort of playing with, do I do something where I'm bi-coastal and I spend like certain months here, or do I want to go live abroad in Europe? And I was just recognizing that the lifestyle I was leading, you know, I had gotten sober in the time I had been living in New York and that drastically changed my relationship to the city because I was no longer living in my mind a New York lifestyle. I wasn't going out. I didn't, you know, want to go out to like crazy expensive dinners. I wanted to be home. I wanted to be cooking. I wanted to be getting up, going for a walk. I wanted to go for hikes. I wanted to be like going to cool dinner parties just have a very mellow, slow life. I'm very introverted. And, you know, New York feels like the opposite of that in so many ways. And I also recognize that I, I knew always that I never wanted to raise a family in New York. I think there's people who do it and they do it well. It just wasn't what was calling to me. I realized that if I was staying in New York, I was actively choosing to not go into that part of my life where I was, you know, settling down and, and raising a family. And I wanted that really bad. And so I was recognizing how my actions weren't aligning with what I was saying I was wanting. And so I had to really come to terms with that. And then it took me another two years to really unwind my identity from New York because it felt incredibly threatening for me to leave who will I be if I'm not in New York? Because I think there's such a cachet that comes with saying you live there. I was really coasting on that and I felt like I would be lost without it. And so I had to really look at why I was placing my identity on something external that wasn't me. And that was a whole journey within itself. And at the end of it gave me such a deeper sense of me and made me recognize that I do think New York raised me. It's such a big part of 
the woman that I am. And I mean, it led me to, led me to Lacey. It led me, you know, like it led me here essentially. So I'm so grateful for it. And it, again, huge part of me, but I didn't need to stay in New York to keep that magic. That magic was now a part of me and I would take it wherever I went. And it was okay to honor that my needs have changed and my desires have changed. And if I want to fulfill those, then I need to pursue those. And I have to, you know, face the fear of leaving and jump off that cliff. And Portland came around. It's always been in, you know, the back of my mind. I had visited a lot. Actually, when I first moved to New York, I had friends that lived here. And then my mom moved to Florence, Oregon in 2020, right before the pandemic started. And then in the beginning of the pandemic, I spent the first two months in Oregon with her and just really fell in love with Oregon because it's so gorgeous here. And, you know, her area is very lush, very rainforesty. The beach is right there, just slow, gorgeous, sort of what I was looking for. And that just kind of helped me crystallize, okay, the things that I'm looking for feel like I could find them here. You know, Portland is great because it's not a small town. So I wasn't, it's not a culture shock. I still have cool things to do and there's still tons of culture here and you know it's very diverse and there's a big queer community which is very you know exciting and important to me and that felt really helpful like I wasn't going to just go in the total opposite direction like I had a very gentle landing and the more that I sort of sat with that the more that decision became really clear but I do want to share though I knew I couldn't raise a family in New York. And so me staying in New York would mean I wasn't choosing that part of my life. I in no way, shape or form was leaving because I felt like to meet my partner, I had to leave. This was a choice that I was making completely for me. At that point in my life, I wasn't making choices based on a partner. I was making choices based on my life. That was just like, I know I need to be somewhere else for me and what I want. And so I'm going to make that choice. It was never about, oh, I need to do this so that I can meet someone. Right, right. What was your authentic code too? I'm curious of that. It was cozy, connection, freedom. Yeah. So do you feel like, okay, so you have like cozy connection, freedom, and someone could be like, well, that could apply to New York or that could apply to Portland. But what did cozy mean to you? What did connection mean to you? What did freedom mean to you? Like maybe freedom was being able to leave your home and go hiking and not have to sit in city traffic exiting. That could have been your freedom. (laughs) Cozy to me is like being... I really love being comfortable. I'm a homebody. I love being at home. And my last two years in New York, I did manifest my like dream New York apartment. And I'm so grateful for that. But as soon as I got it and I got that sense of coziness where where I really got to decorate my first home and make it mine, which was the first time I ever got to do that, you know, and that was at 35. There was a lot of unblocking I had to do to feel like I could live alone and Once I got a taste of it, I wanted more. I wanted a house. I wanted a driveway where I could park my car without getting freaking parking tickets. And I didn't have to worry (laughs) about, you know, opposite side street parking, whatever the hell. I wanted a goddamn laundry in my house. That was my biggest thing when I was leaving. I was like, I cannot go to a laundromat one more time. I just wanted space. I wanted to nest. 
So that was like a big part of the cozy connection was about my connection to nature, my connection to self, New York. I love it, but it does make things really hard. There's it's so loud in so many ways. And I wanted a place where I could really get quiet and reconnect to nature, find a deeper connection to self and, you know, in a whole new way, sort of uncover a new part of me and also connect more with my family. Moving to Oregon is me stepping into my family again. I've been away from my family basically since I was 18. And this is the first time I've been close to them since then. So it feels very exciting to me to have that connection uh, with my mom and also my baby brother. He lives here as well. So freedom is, yeah, the ability to go out into nature and explore and was less about the freedom that New York had offered me and sort of exploring like a different version of that for me. It sounds too, I mean, there. I have to point out the sort of sex in the city romanticism of it all, <laughs> because it does seem like, you know, it's like the last chapter for Carrie Bradshaw. It's like, the thing standing between her and the love of her life is her relationship with New York. You really had to see like, wow, okay, New York is my block. (laughs) It's like the safety blanket. It feels good. It's familiar. It's comfortable. There's identity in it. There's, you know, I know the places, I know the surrounding areas, but like, dang, I'm just really not getting my needs met in this location anymore. And I think it's really scary for people to make that move. We get that question a lot of, how do you expand someone to move across country, literally across country? Is there any quick tips on that just to give people some expansion if they're really hoping to move in the near future? I think it's really just a confidence in your ability to face your emotions about it. Cause that's really what it was for me. I had to break down, you know, the identity thing and really recognizing why I had wrapped up my identity in New York and why that wasn't where it needed to be, that it needed to be in me was the most powerful place. And then the sort of ability to just face feelings of like, of course, there was going to be grief. I spent 12 years in New York. My entire community and network is there. And that that took a lot of time and effort and are things that I'm really proud of. But I also then knew if I can do it there, I can do it anywhere. So that confidence in yourself to establish yourself in a new city. It will of course take time, but if you've done it, you can do it again. And I think it's really just the ability to be with yourself inside the different things that will come up when you move emotion wise, because, you know, it can feel lonely and let yourself feel that, that that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. We prioritize certain emotions and deprioritize other ones. And instead, if we can allow them all to just be valuable to feel and worthy of feeling and worthy of teaching us, the experience of feeling them becomes less about suffering. And I think even logistics wise, it's like, you know, the Capricorn in me, <laughs> like, how do I <laughs> show people? It's almost like you just have to decide, okay, this is my goal to do. And save up the FU fund, figure out how much it's going to cost to move your stuff. You save up the money to do that, start looking into moving companies, figure out how much you actually need to bring with you and how much you can sell and get rid of in the city that you're in, and then figure out job in the new city. Can you lock in a new job without moving there? Do you need to be on the ground in the city to get a job there and have a backup plan? 
when I moved out to LA, I knew for sure I would have freelance jobs in TV and film because I had so many connections in it, but nothing was guaranteed. And I also knew, okay, LA has tons of restaurants. I've bartended all the time throughout college and then post-college. So worst case scenario, I know I can always do that. So just having those little things in plan and then you book your flight and there you go. <laughs> yeah, for me, the like logistics of it seems very straightforward, but that's just kind of how I approach things. I'm like, well, if I want it, then I will, I'm an Aries, you know, like I'll, I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. So the logistics seems really easy. It was like more about the feelings for me, but everything you said, yeah, I just was like, okay, I'm going to move at this date. And now here's how I will do that. I sold all my furniture and just took one storage unit worth of stuff that we're actually going back in November to go get and bring and ship out here. But Really, it's just deciding you want to do it and then taking steps to do the thing and just know that there's going to be a lot of feelings along the way. Feel them, but you can absolutely do it. To me, it's, it's very simple. Take one step after the other until it gets you there. And then when did you get the ping to travel? Now I'm like, oh, okay, so we're getting the move going, the action's happening, we face the feelings, all of that. Now it's like, what was the ping to have this solo journey traveling and how far along that journey did you connect with Zach? I mean, pretty early on into it, <laughs> but um, the travel thing started for me way earlier. I took my first solo trip across Southeast Asia for seven months in 2017, 2018. And when I got back, I started taking French classes and my French teacher told me that if I wanted to learn French, the best place to do it would be to live in France. And so I was like, okay, I want to live in France. That's going to be like my next adventure. I'm going to live there for a year. And I went there for the first time in 2019 in September and loved Paris, fell in love with it and was like, all right, next year, 2020, I'm going to move. And obviously we know how that went because we had the pandemic. And so that sort of derailed that plan. And then I'm actually really glad that it did because I recognized that moving to Europe for one year would be incredibly disruptive to my life, though it would be awesome. It just at this time wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking to really settle down, put down roots somewhere. I didn't want to be as like freewheeling as I had been in the past. And so I recognized that I didn't actually want to spend a year there, but I would love to spend three months. And so that was what came out of that. It was like, okay, I'm going to move and that's a great time to go spend three months in Europe because I won't have rent that I have to worry about. So I have extra money to go travel. And that is like a great transition to leave New York and then to be in Europe. That'll help me process. And then I get to like have this really gentle landing in Portland. Any tips for someone who's solo traveling? I know, I know you got this. I remember when you were doing your stories about it. But, you know, feeling safe and protected when you're there by yourself. I think my biggest thing for that as a woman is do not feel that you have to be nice because nice will get you into situations that can make you really uncomfortable and can put you in situations where you feel you have to people please. And if you allow yourself to be just a human who has the ability to say no, even if that means someone else is viewing that as quote unquote a bitch. And that is not something that makes you like gasp in horror. That is what makes me feel safe. I think it's also 12 years of living in New York. I've dealt with a lot of shit and I learned how to put up with no shit. I don't worry about being nice. 
I pride myself on being very direct and communicating honestly. And if I don't like something, I'm very aware of that. And I say no to it and I get myself out of there. I do not worry about making someone else comfortable if I'm uncomfortable. When traveling alone, that's the most important thing. I don't drink, so I am not getting drunk in faraway locations. But part of what got me sober is blacking out in Cuba twice. And I recognize like, wow, I'm going to get myself killed if I do this. So uh, not going to do that anymore. So I think being aware of your surroundings and keeping yourself in a place where you can make choices that you feel good about is important to feel safe. And I also think not people pleasing, being direct, don't worry about being nice are sort of like my biggest tips besides research where you're going and find an Airbnb that has good reviews and blah, 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 blah. Great advice and great expansion for everyone who wants to travel. And you were also working while you were doing that too. You work remote. <laughs> yeah, which is why I love coaching and I love the way that we set it up via Zoom and what I will probably always do it that way. Honestly, July was the best because I was in the south of France and I would like swim during the day and then go home and like take clients at night. And I was like, I am living life. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. That is amazing. Yeah, Daniel and I have been talking a lot about we're like we should work remote for like a couple of weeks or a month. And my friend who lives in Italy is like, just come out, just stay with us, blah, blah, blah. So we just have to actually commit to it. Yeah, you <laughs> got to do it. It's the best. It's really the best. And the time difference really isn't that bad. So nice. So nice. So what was on your partnership list? What were you calling in? And give us a little backstory of how long had it been since you were in relationship? What were you looking for this time around? What have you learned? You are in-house, you know, relationship expert and all these things. You're so good with boundaries. You're so good guiding people to their partner or an aligned partnership or having better self-worth within partnership. So when you're navigating that for yourself, what were some of the things you were definitely looking for? I think first and foremost, someone who is emotionally available. You know, I had dated a, just a lot of emotionally unavailable dudes in my past. And I was looking for someone who knew themselves and knew what they wanted and was ready to share that with a partner. I was looking for someone who was emotionally mature. This was like a must, must have someone who had done their own work. I am someone who is very committed to self-development and I grow past people very quickly if they're not doing the same for themselves. And meeting people who didn't do therapy or didn't do any work on themselves, I was like, this just can't work. We speak a different language. So I knew that I needed someone who had their own practice for that. It didn't need to look like the way it looked for me, didn't need to look like TBM, but it needed to be something that they were committed to for themselves and not, oh, you're into that. So like, I'll pretend to be into that. It had to be their own commitment. I needed someone who had a relationship to substances that felt healthy. As a sober person, I didn't want to be with someone who was drinking all the time or smoking weed all the time. Those two things I knew didn't work. I was looking for someone who wanted a family with me and was ready to do that within the near future. And someone who was really a great communicator who wanted to communicate honestly and openly and wanted to know each other as full humans and not just like the version that felt the most comfortable. I wanted a really honest relationship and someone who was willing to put in the work to do that with me. And I was looking for someone who, you know, valued the kind of life that I am looking to build and wanted to share that with me. 
And then what were your biggest, sorry to have you hear this section, Zach, but what were your <laughs> biggest tests leading up to him coming through and how did you guys first meet? And then we'll kind of bring Zach in and hear your part of the story too. Yeah. So I actually didn't date anyone for two years before I met Zach. Um, I was single for almost five when we met and 2019 was the last time where I was really like, okay, I dated someone who was very unavailable. He was sleeping around on me, kind of committing and then not, and then pulling away the whole nine. And I remember writing in my journal when I broke up with him and I was like, this is the last time I will do that. I am done. I see it. I ran into the fire with full awareness. Like I'm not doing this again. And that really was the last time I did that. I like really learned that lesson really well. So in 2020, I, I think I dated a little bit, very minimally. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave New York. I don't want to meet anyone who's here. Once I decided I was moving to Portland, that was really like, okay, I don't want to date anyone because I can't imagine meeting someone in New York and be like, well, I'm moving to Portland in June. So like you're coming with, it just felt like too much pressure. And, you know, people that live in New York are pretty passionate about New York and love it and like want to stay there. So I took that time to really fully commit to dating myself and just being with myself and falling deeper in love with myself. And I'm so, so, so grateful for that time because it filled my cup to the very tippy top. And I started to treat myself incredibly well, like so much so that I did not feel any sense of loneliness or emptiness. I felt very fulfilled. I felt very content with my life. I felt very happy. And I was like, I can do this for a very long time. Universe, whenever you're ready, please bring me my person. But like, I'm good. And I also talked to Angels and Amethyst, uh, who you introduced us all to. Oh, yay, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, she's the best. And and I asked her a question. Actually, I asked her a question about moving. I was like, I'm not really sure, but I do want to move. What did my angels say about that? And she was like, your angels are saying Portland. And I was like, shut up. And I hadn't told her that I'd been thinking about that. And I was wow. like, whoa, we're so tuned in. I asked her about babies. And I asked her about my partner and I was like, I feel really ready. I've like done the work. And I'm just like curious as like what they have to say about that. And her response was something that felt so resonant. I actually had a dream about two days before, but what she said was your angels are agreeing. They see the work that you've done. You're totally open. You're ready. They want to acknowledge that for you and like celebrate your hard work. And I was like, thank you. It's been a lot of work, but <laughs> you're waiting on your partner. He's not ready for you yet. And I had had a dream where someone had told me that. And that just resonated with me so hard and gave me an extra layer of peace. Just keep doing my thing. Keep leaning into me and he will come to me when he's ready. And once we kind of get into how we met, like that resonated so hard. And I was like, oh, okay, here you are. This makes so much sense. But I didn't have a lot of tests around dating. My tests were more around preparing to leave New York and working through all of those things. And the only block that I really worked through during that time was I had some shadow around who will want to commit to me long term. And so I had to like do a lot of work around that. It was like a lot of shadow, a lot of inner child reprogramming to feel like worthy of someone choosing to be with me in a long-term commitment way versus like just a shorter term commitment way. And I think that was more, I had to, you know, recognize my commitment to myself in the long term. And once I really got that deeply in my bones, that 
started to disappear. So that was like the one thing that I was like working on. And then in June, I left. I was in Italy having the time of my life eating all the pizza and pasta, which was so good. And just in heaven, swimming and on the Amalfi Coast, just literally just having the best time. And I got a ping to get on Hinge. I was on a train in Italy. I was bored. And I was also like, let me just see what's going on in Oregon because I haven't been dating in New York because I'm not going to be there, but I am going to be in Portland. So I can kind of like, you know, open the door, see what's out there and start to bring this in a little bit. On that train ride, I saw Zach and I swiped right on him (laughs) (laughs) and we matched and I matched with five other dudes who I was, who I talked to more on that train ride. Zach wasn't, he didn't like match and message me until later on in that journey for me. And then those other people, they fizzled out really quickly. I was like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. And Zach, just our conversation from the beginning was really great and really intriguing. And I felt really just like every conversation I was like, oh, I definitely want to keep talking to this person. I want to know more. I want to get to know him more. And that hasn't stopped. So Zach, well, first let's ask, what is both of your astrologies so we can (laughs) astrologically profile you? I am, my first five signs are in Aries, sun, moon, rising, Venus, Mercury, all Aries. And Zach is a Taurus sun, a Sagittarius moon, uh, or no, a Sag rising and a Capricorn moon. Oh, amazing. So he helps kind of ground you, balance you, all of that. Yeah. I love, 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 love his like grounded earthiness because I can be really like, and he's like, (laughs) let's bring it on. He's like the calmest person I've ever met. And he's pretty calm. Yeah. And also the most patient, which is really important because I am not. So he will really help like rein me in when I'm losing my patience. (laughs) (laughs) So Zach, what was going on for you during this time? And how were you kind of in a place where you would be open to, you know, a more serious relationship? Yeah. So for me, a little about my history, I have a a son and I was getting out of a marriage a few years ago. And part of that whole event, or I guess series of events was me taking the opportunity to examine my own sort of responsibility and kind of like look at what I was really wanting out of life. You know, I got married pretty young. There was nothing overtly terrible, just sort of a general incompatibility where it was clear that things were not going to progress long term. And so I, I started to really examine not only, you know, my part in the sort of breakdown of that relationship, but also kind of what I'm really looking for in life generally. I've always been really kind of a seeker and, and very introspective, thinking a lot about personal growth and that type of thing. But I had been through a sort of a darker period in my 20s where I think I had turned away from a lot of that. The sort of, you know, breakdown of that last relationship was a kind of a wake up call for me. I went through my own sort of examination of my relationship to substances. I got into recovery. And and one of the big things that I really took away from that was this concept of surrender as opposed to trying to control everything. You know, I'm a 
American male raised in the 80s, like (laughs) a lot of others, raised to be very self-reliant, independent, not have feelings, all that kind of stuff. AKA avoidant. Avoidant, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I was talking to a friend of mine a while back, and we were just kind of talking about what was going on. And he was like, "You should, you should check out this book called Attached and like Attachment Theory." Oh my gosh, the man's favorite book, Uh, exactly. (laughs) And so I read that, and I was like, "Whoa, I guess I am very avoidant, really a lot." And and so when I, I started to look at that. You know, initially I was, I I was almost like perversely proud of it because I had been, you know, raised to be very independent. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I don't need anyone or anything. (laughs) And then I started to, to realize the perversity of that feeling and really think about, is this what I want for my life long-term? Is this what I want to model for my son? And that was when I started to really look at my ability to give and receive love. And uh, I looked at my own sort of like emotional maturity, which was very, very low. I would say it was okay uh, in comparison to other males <laughs> my age, kind of raised the way I was. But I was also very obvious that I, I had a lot of work to do compared to other people that I knew in my life who were more emotionally mature. And so I, I kind of set out to start to, to look at that and figure out what I could do to, to live a more full life. Part of what I was looking at there was feeling like I was going to miss out on a core part of being a human. And so I wanted to also make sure that I was modeling for my son. I think initially it was a lot of, it was fear-based, right? This idea that if you rely on other people, they can let you down and that can make you feel out of control. But this concept of surrender that I got out of um, recovery was a really big one for me. And this idea that you do what feels right and you surrender the outcome. You don't have control over the outcome. Uh, Sometimes things happen and that's okay. (laughs) And I know that sounds uh, pretty obvious uh, to a lot of people, but for me, this was like a very new concept, you know, in my mid thirties to be playing with. And so that led me down probably, you know, almost three years of just really hard self-examination. I got into learning about shame and toxic shame and how that had played a a role in the development of my personality. And so I, I guess I'm very briefly kind of summarizing what was a few years of really intense work, but that was early June, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess when Amanda was riding the train, um, (laughs) I had felt that was about the time where, where I was ready to start. Like I I felt I had done enough work. It wasn't that I was done, but I felt like I could handle anything. I could handle a string of rejections. I could handle being alone for the rest of my life. I was, uh, separated from the, from the outcomes, but was also feeling content in how I was living my life and, and, sort of proud of the choices that I had made recently. And so I felt, hey, I think it's time to start trying to date and, and meet some people. And, you know, I, I was feeling like relationship gives us the ability to really like have this mirror and really explore like our own personal development in contrast with another human. And a lot of, you know, that to me felt like I was ready for that those lessons again, after having taken this period to really do this self-examination. So yeah, that's what kind of brought us to uh, June. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What's so crazy too, and you think of manifestation is 
you are in alignment with the subject in which you, you know, are connecting with, you were on the same level and hearing that both of you were at a place that you were detached from the outcome. You were in complete deservingness and worthiness of, okay, I'm in this pursuit of, you know, internal self-growth, but at the same time, I know I do want a relationship to add to my already full existing thriving life. And there is no control over, okay, it has to look like this, or the person has to be this or blah, 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 blah. It's like complete surrender. Yeah. And it sounds like you were both totally in that place when you connected. Yeah, 100%. And he had met a couple people in person, but in June, that was his first online dating experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I kind of missed the, uh, the beginning of online dating. So yeah. this was the first time. Yeah. And Amanda was the first person I talked to. <laughs> so online dating really works. Yeah. The- yes. Yeah. That's like our joke. He's like, I don't understand why people think it's so hard. Like go on. You like, it was so neat and amazing. Woman. Um, yeah. But think of how much work you did to even get to that app. Yeah. I mean, I think what blew me away by Zach and what made him stand out to me was that he had done that work. He was really open about it. And he was a really incredible communicator. Our communication from the jump has always been incredibly open and incredibly honest, which is something that I think is really important for the both of us. And on a like alignment that we share. We were started talking that way, but also as we began talking about the kind of relationship we wanted, we were very much like, we want to be honest about who we are in totality. We don't want to just share parts of ourselves that feel like the okay parts. I want to know all of you and I want you to know all of me. And that means we have to be really honest and like get uncomfortable. And we were both really aligned with that. I've told this to friends and when I tell Zach that I say this, he's always like, wait, what do you mean? But he's the first man that I've met mm-hmm. because he has emotional maturity. He communicates, he understands what he wants and what he needs and he can communicate that to me. He doesn't shut down. He doesn't disappear. He doesn't gaslight me. He doesn't you know, shame me. He accepts me fully. He holds such space for me my emotions and my needs and meets me there. Like he's such a container for that. And that's the first time I've really met someone who can meet me at that level. The more we started to get to know each other, I was like, holy shit, I'm meeting someone who is actually like worthy of me. And that's the first time I've really felt that someone who is, who's at my level staring at me to eye to eye. I'm not like, here, let me help you understand what emotions are. Like he had done that work already and it made such a difference. I still have a lot of work to do, to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone does. It's all in pursuit. But I, I think that's such an important thing to think of too is, well, it's just so funny when you're describing Zach, like, okay, men of this generation are raised to look like this. And here, Amanda's sitting here saying, no, a man is what you're becoming right now. A man is who you are as you're tapping into your emotions. And this identity of manhood too, from someone who feels no emotions is so tough, whatever. I I think culturally, we're starting to see a shift where people are redefining what the masculine, what male is in a way that is more integrated. Same with the feminine, but you definitely are seeing a shift of 
different generations recognizing, okay, whatever we were doing before is just like not working. So how can we incorporate and redefine this in a way that's better for everyone? And I mean, I think you've talked about this with me that having your son is what really helped you see that. Yeah. Uh, For me, that was a really big one. I was totally fine with my kind of independence prior to having a son. And then I really started to think about how I was raised as, you know, having a kid will uh, encourage you to do when you start (laughs) to see, um, you know, you repeating patterns. And I started to really think hard about how I wanted to raise him and knowing that the the best, um, the best raising you'll do is basically modeling behavior. And so I started to think, well, I, I do feel independent, but also lonely, and I don't want that for my son. And so I need to figure out how to live a complete life and, and be a full human if I'm going to be able to model that for him and, and encourage him to live his life that way. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey, or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child, and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. And as you guys know, we have upgraded to a brand new platform with an incredible mobile app. Be sure to sign up for the new platform in the link in our show notes, and then you can use that login to access the new app. Okay, now back to the episode. And were there any specific aspects? I know you didn't quite have a manifestation list right now. Well, but no, he actually did. We talked about you our list. You did? Yeah. Oh yeah. my We talked about them. Yeah. So, so what was on yours? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't quite think of it as a manifestation list, but it was more like, these are the things that I need personally. This was also uh, somewhat new for me to be thinking along those lines. You know, I was raised to kind of grin and bear it no matter what happens. <laughs> but I thought this is part of what 
I'm learning to do here is to like listen to my own needs and sort of be direct about them. And so one of the big things I was really looking for was, uh, you know, equal partnership, which can take many different forms, but really thinking about someone who is able to kind of meet me equally in every endeavor in life. And, and that doesn't always mean that we're always doing the exact same chores, splitting them 50-50. You know, sometimes it means we're trading off, but there's a general spirit of mutual support and partnership. That was, I would say, one of the most important things. The other one was a really big focus on personal growth and an attempt to live a really full life as a human. And, you know, obviously uh, Amanda met that in space. <laughs> but uh, another big one for me, which I, I found was really important, is someone who was able to allow me to sort of communicate the way that I communicate naturally. I'm very patient and mellow. And sometimes that's annoying to people because <laughs> it's, it's sometimes hard to get a rise out of me. And I really like to play around with ideas um, without kind of getting attached to them. I like to process them and look at them from many different angles. It's not like it's the most unique thing in the world, but I, I definitely have to communicate that way. And so I wanted to find partner with someone who was able to at least allow me to kind of process in that way without feeling threatened. Like we're going to think about this angle and this angle and this angle and be able to provide space for that to happen. And so, you know, I wasn't looking for someone to kind of like meet all of my needs, knowing that that's, that's sort of like on me essentially to, uh, to make sure that I'm kind of getting my needs met. But I was really looking for someone who would be, um, you know, additive to a, a life where I was already kind of like making sure all my needs were met. And uh, the more like Amanda was talking about, honesty and directness was a really big one for me. And for me, that that route was around like not having fear of, you know, needing to control another person. It's very scary to be really honest with someone about who you are mm -hmm. and about what you think about their behavior. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and that's something I've struggled with as well. And a big part of my journey has been getting over that fear and saying, you know what, no matter what happens, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to be direct about what's going on inside. And, you know, the outcome might be bad, might be good. I don't know. It's, it's not for me to say. That is something that I found in Amanda very clearly, like mm -hmm. just the ability to communicate really directly and honestly about what we think and, and what we think of each other, good or bad. And so, yeah, that was my list. Oh, so aligned. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think too, like just to, you know, we met online and I was traveling Europe and wasn't planning on being in Portland until September. And so we got to know each other via distance. The beginning of our relationship happened over Zoom yeah. and, you know, a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. So I think a bit of space in the beginning or if you're in the same city going slow really can allow you time, especially if you're someone who jumps into your a relationship and, you know, week two, you're like, we're getting married. <laughs> if you're someone who we get this question a lot, oh, I feel like I'm so attached and it's so early that going slow phase in the beginning is going to be so, so key for that because you can maintain yourself while also learning about another person without enmeshing too quickly. Talk a little bit about how you kept your own sort of boundaries, independent life as you guys were starting to learn who each other were. 
Well, I think having the distance sort of built that in because we, you know, we didn't see each other until the middle of August for the first time when I came home. So the distance really helped. It allowed us to really focus on building the emotional connection with each other and really focus on building the emotional foundation. And we talked about everything. We talked about, you know, what we were looking for in a relationship. We talked about him having a son and what that meant to me and our approach to being a blended family. We talked about what kind of relationship we wanted, how that could evolve, what we would do about this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, like how we approach different things. I opened myself to Zach in a way that I had never opened myself to anyone before because he created such a safe space for me to do so. I've told him things that I never thought I would tell anyone. And he felt the same. And it was the first time that I could be truly, truly myself. All the good, all the bad. And he met me there so beautifully and so supportively and never really blinked or bad an eye. Like, again, he just held such space for me. And I feel like I was able to do the same for you. And we felt this level as we were getting to know each other of just like, wow, we are so comfortable being ourselves around the other. And that's so important. And we're creating such a safe place and foundation for a relationship to be built on through this like deep communication where we're talking through everything, nothing's off limits. And also, you know, he has said from sort of the beginning of like, I accept you, I accept all of you. So I don't need you to alter yourself in any way to try to make me comfortable. Like I'm here to see you in your wholeness emotionally. And that's also like physically. I was in Europe eating bread for three months. (laughs) That affects your body a little bit. (laughs) Um, And I felt a little self-conscious before we met. And he was like, you do not have to look any certain way for me. Like I accept you, I accept your body and I want both as it is. And, you know, we talked about more future things of like getting pregnant and body-wise and getting older and body-wise and like what that meant too and how he felt about that. And like that acceptance has just been there from the beginning. So it just created such a safety for me and for us to really build a super solid foundation that when we did meet, that it was so seamless. And it has been this whole entire time, like everything, I think because we built and, you know, are continuing to build such a solid foundation together based on deep communication and seeing each other fully and accepting each other fully. Again, even the things that are like, it's uncomfortable to, for me to hear about past stuff or whatever, but like we still fully accept each other. It sounds like too, you guys have created such a safe container with each other that those really difficult conversations and things to have about, you know, whether it's past stuff, future stuff, your own insecurities coming up. It's like, I trust that we have this secure base. So if I throw this wonky thing on top of it or this thing that's hard to process, it won't shift the foundation. I think for me, the idea of of radical honesty, that can seem one-sided. Like I'm going to throw honesty at you and like, I don't (laughs) care how you're going to handle it. But for us, what we've talked about is it's this two-way thing. It's like radical honesty and radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. And the commitment that I have made and that she has made to me is that we're going to accept each other 
short of like discovering that the other is like a serial killer or something like that. (laughs) That Um, We would not accept that. (laughs) (laughs) There there is a line, but like anything beyond that, we're going to accept the other and we're going to work through it. We're going to talk about it honesty and we're not going to blow up at the other person or reject some part of them. And a lot of the fear and need to control other people at least for me in my past has been around this idea of like this fear of rejection. What if they don't accept this part of me, this like, you know, we all have these, these unsavory parts or things that we're embarrassed about or whatever the case may be. And I I guess one thing I didn't mention on (laughs) that was on my list is like, I want to be fully accepted and I never want to wonder if I will be fully accepted in the future. Mm -hmm. And so that has to be a commitment from the very beginning. And once that was established, it felt so safe. Like mm-hmm. there was, it felt like there was nothing that I could bring up that would be, and it's not to say that, you know, we aren't bringing up things that aren't occasionally hard to process, but we yeah. process it together uh, in a spirit of acceptance. Yeah. And again, he's just able to meet me at such a deep level of communication, which is the first time I've experienced this in a relationship. He just has the availability to, if we're having a disagreement, he is able to be like, okay, I'm feeling this from you. Is that true? How, you know, how does that feel for you? Let's check in. How are you doing? What's going on? Like, there's just no sense of shutting down and turning away. He is just so present with me. So huge for someone who is an avoidant. That's amazing. And also, yeah, expansion for someone who feels like they come from more avoidant attachment. That is not where you have to stay. And you can do so much to build into more earned secureness. And for those of you who may feel like you come from a more anxious side, which I do, and you had only previously dated, you know, super avoidant, unavailable partners, which I did, you doing your work to get to a place of earned secure yourself, which I did that allows you to get that mirrored back to you in your external relationship where he does. I did so much work on meeting myself fully, accepting myself fully, feeling safe with myself fully, really loving myself and finding that sense of security and and safety and validation internally. And because of that like rich, deep relationship I had with myself, when I called in Zach, like he now mirrors that to me, which I think is why we have such like a deeply loving and accepting relationship. And give just a little taste of maybe what a, I don't even want to call it an argument, but like a disagreement might look like between you guys, because I think you're a really great expander couple for communication. And I think modeling to the masses, what does it look like to fight well? (laughs) What does it look like when you have an argument, but it's not a screaming match or low blows or, you know what I mean? All the, what is it? The four horsemen of the apocalypse as the Gottmans call them. How do you guys get through those moments? Because I think you're both really good at it. The one that we had recently, Zach has, you know, been processing some things sort of like in, just like in other areas of his life. And he's, an internal processor. He's an introverted, as am I. So like, I understand. But my two top love languages, I can't choose one, are um, (laughs) words of affirmation and physical touch. And his top love language is quality time. So when he is processing something, he goes internal, but he wants to be spending quality time with me, but like in an internal way. And that can make me feel disconnected. And so, because I like the words affirmation, I like the physical touch, which normally he's all about and totally on top of. 
And so when we had that moment of, I was feeling disconnected, I knew he was in, in processing something. I knew he internally processed, but I just, you know, I came to him and said, I'm having a hard time with feeling disconnected. Here's why I feel disconnected. You know, and he was able to share sort of what's going on with him. And then he is very good about asking what he can do to help me. He's also very good about saying things like, okay, I'm, I can see that. I'm really sorry. You know, what can I do to help or what do you need? And I then can communicate, this is what I'm needing in that moment. In that disagreement, we sort of weren't able to get there immediately. We, he thought I was saying something different. And so we had to like work through that of like, oh, I thought you were saying this. And then I had to be like, no, this is what I meant. And then we just kind of talk it through. Like we're talking now. This is how I'm feeling. This is how that feels for me. This is what I'm needing. This is what I'm needing. And once we kind of got to the conclusion, you know, I was like, okay, I think the summary of this is my top two love languages are physical touch, words of affirmation. And I think your top is quality time. And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay, so quality time is like definitely right underneath for me. But the first two, that's how I give and receive love the most. And so if we're spending quality time, but I don't feel like there's that physical touch connection or words of affirmation connection, I will feel disconnected. And he was like, oh, got it. So we were able to understand what both of our needs are and then make sure moving forward, we can get those met. Yeah. And one other thing I'll add is like having a really good sense for what the baseline feels like. Mm -hmm. And we're still, it's a fairly new relationship, but we, we have talked about when we're, you know, when everything's going great, we don't have other stresses going on, we're hanging out. We've talked about like what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there, there have been situations where we don't really know what's wrong. We just know that it's not the same as the baseline. Yeah. And so that has given us an opportunity to say, okay, like what, what could be going on? Like there's, there's something else here that's worth exploring where if we ignore it, then that shifts the baseline over time, or it means we we go too long without processing things, and then things start to pile, and it becomes really hard to unravel. Resentments breed at that point too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And uh, one one thing that I really appreciate about Amanda is that there's not a single moment that goes by where if you're if you're feeling uncomfortable you just say it yeah. like right then yeah. <laughs> so and so i don't have to uh that's a, a bit of a, lu- a, a luxury yeah. um and i don't have to you know wonder we will talk about it right away and that allows us to say okay like did we resolve it yeah. are we back at the baseline and there have been times where we thought we resolved it but mm-hmm. we weren't at the baseline yet and we we're like maybe there's still something here yeah and and so we, you know, we keep playing with it until we, until we figure it out, but we, we, we always do get there. Mm-hmm. And a, a big thing is just being able to validate that the other person is having an experience mm-hmm. and, and that's a, a valid experience. And so, you know, we take that at face value and then say, okay, like how, how are these things misaligned? Mm, yeah. And I think like really important just for great communication and how to, disagree well. I don't want to say fight well, because that has such a connotation of like screaming at each other, which is not the way to go. And it's, you know, it's to not blame the other person to make sure you're taking ownership of like, this is how it feels for me. This is my perception. That's not the truth. There's always like my perception, your perception, the truth is somewhere in between that. And making sure 
you know, you can communicate that to your partner, understanding your feelings and your needs. And when sometimes you just need to express a feeling and you don't have a need, you know, there's been times where I'm like, I just want to express this so you understand me deeper, but you don't need to do anything different for me. You're meeting everything. And then there's other times where I'm like, this is a need that I have. So I think understanding the difference between the two and being able to communicate those in a way that is understanding your partner is on your side and, you know, you guys are a team and that you're working together to make sure both needs are getting met. It sounds like a huge theme, both with you guys being able to be at a place to find each other and also have such great communication so early on in the relationship too, or even from like day one, really is the fact that you both understand your own selves so well. And I think that's just like a reminder to anyone out there, whether you're in partnership, you're enjoying your your singledom, you're wherever you're at, knowing your needs is so, so important because a lot of times conflict in not only relationships, but in with friendships or family or whatever is because we're trying to get our needs met from a subconscious thing that we're not even aware of. And that causes distress. Like you see in, in partnerships, people will have an attitude or they're rude. They're trying to get a need met. And the reason they're not doing it in a way that's effective is because they don't even understand that they have a need beneath that attitude. 100%. Yeah. And so the more you can go and look at that, it's really like clean up your side of the street is the moral of the story. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think, you know, when I was getting ready to leave New York, I was like kind of reflecting on what I had hoped to accomplish there. And and I think one of the things that I had anticipated accomplishing in New York was falling in love and was like, oh, you know, I didn't really do that. And then I thought about it deeper and I was like, you know, I didn't fall in love with someone externally, but I did fall in love with myself. And that was everything because I got to understand me. And it's what has allowed me to show up so well in this relationship with Zach, where I can be this available as a partner to him. And it's what has allowed me to attract a partner who is so available to me. Because essentially it was like, I left New York and I just have walked into every single dream that I was looking to call in. Like I have manifested literally everything I've been wanting. I met Zach. We have this beautiful partnership. He asked me to move in. We live together. I live in this gorgeous house that he already owned. Everything I was wanting, like full list and then some. All of that work, every single step is what led me here. And what I just want to help people understand is that being single is not sad. It's not shameful. There's nothing wrong with it. It's such fruitful time if you use it. It's there for a reason. Every part of me being single was something that I needed in my growth to help me prepare for this beautiful relationship that I'm so lucky and grateful to have now. And every single step of that I needed and was worth it and was leading me here. And, you know, meeting Zach, I would go through everything I've been through 1000 times if it meant it led me here because this is everything I've wanted and more. So if you're single and you're like, oh my God, this will never happen to me, focus on yourself. Focus on falling in love with yourself. Focus on getting to know yourself so deeply. Focus on fostering a beautiful relationship inside because 
externally, any relationship is going to be reflecting that relationship with self. So that's the most important thing. And utilize the single time to do that because that's what it's for. It's not like a some death sentence. It's such a beautiful time in life and can really prepare you for the things that you're wanting if you utilize it as such. Yes. I also think, you know, whenever, especially when anyone's on timeline for any manifestation, I'm always like, why are we all in such a rush? Yeah. If you want that manifestation, it's coming through. We know how this works. It's going to come through in the right timing. It may not come through in the exact moment you want it to, but it will come through. So if you really trust, if you really believe that that will come through in its perfect timing, why not enjoy the right now? Like what is the magic to be had right in this very moment that we can appreciate and learn from? And with a relationship, you're manifesting with another person, even though you haven't met that other person yet. So you have to remember that they're on their own journey. When I met Zach and I heard about his journey, I was like, yeah, I was waiting on you. You were going through your own stuff to repair for me. And I would have happily waited another 10 years. I'm glad that I didn't, but like <laughs> I would have, you know, if like that's what it took for you to get ready for me. But I think it's also important to recognize that that other person is on their own path and they're going through their own things to prepare for you. And you can't control that. So you have to focus on what you can control, which is yourself. And that's it. And if you can keep tuning in to you and keep your focus on you and less on like, when is this happening? When is it happening? Because when we're there, when we're in a place of, okay, I need this, we need that to prove to ourselves that we're worthy. And that's putting our worth on an external factor, which is never going to get us what we want because that's essentially saying, I don't feel worthy of that thing. So we have to focus on getting to a place where we feel fully worthy of love. So in 2020, I was like, okay, I feel fully ready. I feel fully open. Yes, I am worthy of love. But Zach wasn't ready yet. Sorry, it took so long. It's okay. <laughs> and it was perfect timing. But those two years, I wasn't like bemoaning, you know, the fact I loved those two years. I, I felt so magnetic. I felt so in love, you know, just with me. I felt so in love with the life that I was building and creating for myself, which has allowed me to show up so fully formed, you know, in this partnership. And something, you know, that I know Zach really admires about me is that I have this full life and I have this full identity and God forbid, should something happen to our relationship, that will continue. He doesn't create my happiness. My happiness is created by me, but he adds to it in that overflow. But if I make him responsible for my happiness, our relationship will tank. The reason why our relationship feels so fulfilling and good and magnetic and like everything I've been wanting is because he knows he's responsible for his side and I'm responsible for mine. And we don't place that on each other. We are each other's overfills which is what creates like that, just like, woof, like this feels so amazing. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Mic drop. So, so good. Is there anything that you guys are manifesting as a couple and any tips for anyone to manifest as a couple? Yes. We are manifesting a cat. <laughs> ah, <laughs> exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited. And we will be manifesting a baby next year, probably. So. Ah, I mean, that's the one I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think something that we're also 
something that is important for us. And we're not going to speak about it super specifically just for privacy sake, but he has a son. And that is something that is incredibly important to us, you know, as a couple, obviously him as an individual, he's a dad, but you know, me coming in, I grew up with a stepmom and I had such a beautiful relationship with her and she really altered my life in, in a lot of great ways. And her and my mom had such a beautiful relationship and, you know, my mom was friends with her and there was never any threatening anything. Like it was always beautiful, which made me feel really loved and gave me permission to have a great relationship with my stepmom. So having that, I'm very conscious of the way that I move into this existing family and that I treat his ex as part of my family and that we are three adults who are coming together to make sure a child is, you know, feeling loved by all of those people. And I'm really grateful and I feel incredibly lucky that he and his ex have a very wonderful friendship and co-parenting relationship. So I got to come into a place that was already drama-free. And, you know, that's something that's really important for us to continue to build that she and I have our own relationship and that continues to develop. And something I feel really grateful for. She's an incredible mom, an incredible person, someone that I learned from as a mother as well. And I think that's like, I, I guess like an ongoing manifestation of just continuing to build a very happy family unit between the three of us adults and the four of us with his son. I love that. And, and I think that's such an important thing of knowing that it is not only for the benefit of everyone to have like a good homeostasis and, and foundation there, but for the kids, like it's so, so important to set modeling of respect and love and all of that stuff there. Just one thing that I wanted to touch on because I've heard, I heard this a lot just in my years of talking to, to women about dating. And I would talk to a woman who was dating someone with kids, or she wouldn't want to date someone with kids because she didn't want to be second priority. And that's something that I always was like, that's so interesting to me. And when I met Zach and he told me that he had a kid, well, he didn't tell me he had a kid. He had it on his profile. And then I was like, oh, you have a kid. How cool. And I felt really grateful and so lucky to meet someone with a kid and get to explore family in that way. But that was always really important to me to communicate to him from day one that I will always think of your son as number one priority. I never need to come before that. That's your first priority. And that's mine as well. That will always come first. Obviously, I know like our relationship and me is like right underneath that, but the child needs to be the priority. He needs to come first always. And I think that doesn't need to be threatening. So if anyone out there is considering dating someone with a kid and is sort of wondering about that, the priority of the child doesn't need to be a threat to the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see it as like, you know, we're going to partner together to put the kids first because mm -hmm. kids are always going to have different needs than adults who are emotionally mature and healthy people and yeah. able to meet their own needs. Kids are, you know, not there yet. And yeah. so it's not a competition, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, how did that feel going into dating with the son? So I, I think that was probably the biggest apprehension I had um, because I have heard those stories as well. And I, I had assumed that it would be something that was, that it wouldn't make it really hard for me to date and that this would be a problem for whoever I was 
thinking about getting into a relationship with is that they wouldn't want to feel like, you know, second place. And even though I don't feel it was like a, a competition for attention, yeah. um, that was one of the things that struck me immediately about Amanda was that we, you know, we talked about it and she was really happy to hear I had had a kid and, and didn't, you know, in any way imply that she felt threatened by it. And in fact, was sort of excited about the opportunity. And so that immediately put me at ease because I wouldn't, I would never have pursued anything where I felt like I wouldn't be able to prioritize being a good dad. And, and she helped me feel that together um, I can be an even better dad perhaps than mm -hmm. I would have been on my own. And so that turned from sort of an apprehension to something I was really excited about. Oh, so beautiful. Any last closing tips for anyone out there? Anything for someone who's hearing this and thinking like, oh gosh, I, I just keep think of like the person who's like, I'm never going to find my person like that. <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely felt that way in my 20s for sure. And probably like my very early 30s, like 30, 31. But I recognized that was more about lack of, and not feeling fully worthy of what I wanted. Obviously meeting Lacey like really changed my life in that way and that she gave me tools that allowed me to heal those things. And you know, this work has continued to allow me to heal those that once I really dealt with the wounds of, of my childhood, the wounds of why I felt that way, and I was taking reinforcing action to reinforced the reprogram that I was doing around those and just like took that like deep responsibility for self, fell in love with myself deeply, like not in a superficial way, a deep, deep, deep way. That's what allowed me to understand one, that I'm worthy of the love that I want. So it absolutely exists Two, that I don't have to worry about it coming in because I built such a deep trust with myself. So I could extend that trust out to the universe. And I knew that I am the universe, right? I am the universe experiencing self in physical form. So is Zach, so are you, so is everyone. And so obviously the universe wants to give itself what it wants. So I knew it was coming to me because I had built that trust. And once I had built that trust, I could let go. I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to focus, which is why I wanted to make sure when I was talking about leaving New York, that it was not because I thought I had to do that to meet a partner. Absolutely not. I made no decision based on, oh, if I do this, I'll meet a partner. I didn't try to manipulate or control that. I made choices that felt good for me and that made my life feel full and fulfilling. And I pursued that above all else. And I think if you do that, that is what leads you to the things that are meant for you. Yeah, I think uh, probably very similar for me. I thought about it like, I don't know if I will be able to find a partner. So I will try to live my best life in a way that I feel happy to live. And if I happen to also find a partner, then cool. <laughs> and just kind of let go of the, uh, of the outcome. And that ironically is part of what allowed this to work out. Yeah, totally. Also, just, I want to say to, this is going to make me emotional, but, um, oh. like anyone that's single out there and, and feels like, you know, they won't find a love like this. I just want you to know that it is so worth the wait. I would wait so long for this love and this man. And I'm glad I didn't have to wait until I was like, you know, like 65 or something, but like I would have, and it's worth it. You will look back on all the, you know, the bad dates and the broken hearts and the lonely nights, and it will be 100% worth it. 100%. So just don't, 
don't forget that. Now you're making me cry. (laughs) That was so beautiful. Thank you both for being so honest and vulnerable and really sharing from the heart. I think this will be such an expansive episode for anyone, no matter where they're at in their journey. And it was such a pleasure speaking with you both. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this, you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.